Welcome to episode 37 of the Smash Accept podcast. I'm your host, Michael Royer. You can find me on Twitter at Dynasty underscore Dad FF. Obviously rocking my, my green just like John. You know, it's this little St. Patrick's Day late night event here. Um, super excited to introduce our guest. But before we do that, I'm going to introduce my, my doppelganger here. You know, he's wearing the exact same outfit. Almost got the headphones going. John, it's been a while. How you been? Good, Mike. And happy St. Patty's Day to everybody. Yeah, feeling lucky tonight, luck of the Irish. You know, we got March Madness going, free agency. Of course, you, everyone knows I have rookie fever. But uh, most importantly, back on the Smash Accept pod. Can't wait for this one. A lot of people throwing around takes right now, especially during free agency, Mike. But um, look, on, on Smash Accept, we only bring the best. Have a little Irish proverb on this topic here. It says, he is bad that will not take advice but he is a thousand times worse that takes every advice. So what I'm, what I'm thinking here is listen to the Irish and listen to this pod, with the guests we have tonight and you'll be good. I love it. You know, when we're backstage here and we're, we were talking a little bit, uh, it felt like we were, you and I were, you know, it was like that scene where you come into wedding crashers where they, where they're introducing themselves. And I'm like, yo, I'm Seamus O'Toole. Bobby O'Shea. Let's get drunk. We're going to get drunk on some <laughs> fantasy football information, though. Not quite that same way. All right. Next, Mung, you know, we were just talking about free agents about 45 minutes ago. We just released that podcast. You know, so much going on. Welcome to the show again. And how's it going? Yeah, it's great. Uh, it's good to see John again. It's been a while since I've seen his ugly <laughs> mug. So uh, super excited to have him back. And uh you know, I'm excited to talk with Angelo because I'm still fairly new to the film game. I'm more of a numbers guy, as you guys know. Uh, but, you know, just to pick his brain and talk about these rookies. Oh, you ruined, you ruined the intro, man. I was, like, super excited. Oh, God, and, I don't need all that. that. The suspense is gone. You know, I, I had this drum roll, everything going on here. Um, well, you're going to put it in the title of the podcast, so, you know, spoiler alert. Well, that, that was because we got – Fantastic guests on, you know, one of the one of the best minds when it comes to rookie evaluations. And I talked to him first when I was on the Dynasty Refinery and just loved the threads that he put out on on Twitter and everything that he's been able to do. And the things that he's doing in the website now just blow my mind. We have Angelo from Angelo Analysis. How are you doing today? Man, I'm doing great. Um, you know, we talked a little bit about before the podcast. I'm a Bears fan. So Russell Wilson versus Andy Dalton. So I guess I'm not so great in that capacity. Um, but man, thank you for having me on. I know we've been kind of, you know, chopping it up for a little while. So I'm, I'm glad if I made it happen. Yeah, we're excited to have you on. You know, that that scenario is like you're going to ask the when you're in high school and you're going to ask the 10 to a prom. Right. <laughs> and then and then all of a sudden it gets swapped out and you get a four. You know, like no, no offense on that. But it's like the Andy Dalton signing it's got to be such a letdown because you were here in Deshaun Watson, you were here in Russell Wilson, so many different scenarios and Chicago's just needed a quarterback for so long. Yeah, man. It's, but, it's tough. Yeah. Having two guys on from Chicago, you know, what was St. Patrick's like, you know, we're in St. Patrick's day. What was it like any kind of experience today? Man, I've had none. I've, just, I've gone to work and uh, ate some dinner and came home, but I know the river's green. So 
Uh, that's a big Chicago tradition. So that's always fun to see. But it's always, I mean, it's different now with COVID. Um, obviously, you know, it's not not as many people out and about. Um, you know, obviously, St. Patrick's Day around here is a big celebration. So um, it's been a little different, honestly, a little more, a little quieter than than past years, which is not a bad thing. Um, but yeah, it's been a little more, it's a little quieter. That's, that's something I've definitely noticed, and especially now at nighttime. Yeah, we're, we're excited for this year. Like last year, we're talking about fantasy football and it's like, is there going to be a season? What is COVID's implication? What's going to happen now? Obviously, we know we have a season. Things are starting to open up a little bit more. But Angelo, you know, this year more than ever, we're going to have to trust our tape because the combine's not there. You know, we get the pro days, but we all know what, you know, those numbers can get skewed here and there. I mean, guys, what do you see as the major difference from 2020 offseason, you know, and we're getting our rookie analysis into 2021 and how that looks we'll start with you angelo oh man i think i think the biggest thing is we're gonna kind of overrate some of these guys because of the the pro days a bit and that's gonna be tough because obviously we don't have a comment we don't have um basically concrete balance metrics that we can kind of go off of especially the the explosive testing like 40 like you know like the short shuttle um you know broad jump vertical jump so it's all not on the same day at the same time so that's the toughest thing is when we're evaluating these guys, we have to look more so at what they do on the field, how they act as movers, how they are as problem solvers, and then kind of articulate that information and be like, okay, now I have to see how can I combine this and make fancy football decisions. And that's going to be the hardest part is, is kind of like weeding through like all that information and finding things that are, you know, that are important to us as, you know, like fans, football managers, and, you know, we're trying to get shares of these guys. So like who should we take where is, is going to be really important this year than you know, like past years. It was a lot easier. So it's, it's going to be difficult, but I mean, it, it's definitely a welcome challenge. It's going to be fun. I think one of the key words you said there is movers and based off of what you, why don't you tell the listeners a little bit about what you do, yeah. you know, as far as over there on the website, I mean, everyone does tape analysis and everyone does things but you have take it from a different angle because of what your background is yeah man uh for sure so so my career is in sport and human performance so i'm really fortunate and you know in my own career to be really hands-on with athletes and practitioners alike so it's just a blessing to see high level athletes move up close and what what that's really like um and help them solve problems i mean you know whether it's you know helping someone you know for like a pro day combine type thing or just like talking to like a, a coach and trying to figure out what periodization looks like for a high school program, um, things of that nature. So for me, it, it, I use a lot of the same practices in my career uh, that I do when I evaluate prospects in terms of like slowing down film, taking still shots, like analyzing different aspects of just human locomotion. And so I, I'm a total complete nerd with all of this, and you can probably see that by the website. Um, so that's what a lot of it. That's what a lot of it's like on the website as well. So like the website essentially is me breaking all that stuff down in terms of player evaluation and just kind of blending like human locomotion and decision-making. And, you know, it's just understanding that these guys are playing, they're playing against extremely athletic, intuitive, intelligent human beings. So like what qualities do these guys have on the field of play that can separate them from, from other elite prospects in their own class. So uh, it's definitely been a ton of fun, you know, creating it. Um, you know, and, and working with it and, and learning and failing and growing. So it, it's, you know, every day is a new journey with this. So I'm, I'm really excited and I'm pretty blessed to have it. Well, it's been nice even, I mean, you and I have been talking for a couple of years and just watching your progress and, and how that's, you know, evolved, you know, it, every year it just keeps getting better and better. Right. Um, John and Mung, you know, 
we like I said, we were so excited last year. Like we were, but it was anticipation. Like, is there going to be football? Isn't there? I mean, we know there's football now. What is your difference right now going into this off season as opposed to the to the rest? I mean, I'm saying off season, but I've already done three startups because I got a I got a fever. You know, that's right. Yeah, I mean, there really is no off season for us, right? But you know, for me, the difference. I'm definitely depending on guys like Angelo a lot more and grinding the film, the guys that really do break it down. And the thing about it is we have a much smaller sample size for a lot of these players here. We had some guys coming off injuries. We had shortened seasons. We had some opt-outs on some of the big players too. And so you really got to make sure that that on the field film that, they we did have on some of those players that we we really get down into and analyze it and make sure we understand like angelo said where to rank these guys where to put them based on what we're seeing on the field so that's the biggest change for me yeah that that's a great point i mean you got guys like you know jamar chase sat out or guys that got injured right. people that chose because of covid not to to right. perform so yeah that's that's a great take mung what about you what's one thing that's really changed for you over this past year yeah, and whenever whenever we look at the rookies, you know, post NFL draft, we always look at where the NFL took them, right? Because that gives us some sense of how the team looks at him, how the coach, you know, looks at him and values him, and that could lead to opportunity. And then draft capital also determines a lot of times, you know, just how high the ceiling is because we're looking at how, you know, early these teams reached. But the NFL drafts a crapshoot to begin with, but now with no combine, I'm also hesitant to really kind of elevate a rookie prospect because of draft capital this year more than any other, because some of these teams are going to be flying blind as well. Yeah. And and I think this time of year, even more so is like, we've talked about the combine, sometimes double counting, like a player we know is going to test out really well for speed. And then they run a good 40 and we bump them up another notch. Um, Mung, let's, let's start out with the running backs and let's talk about some of the boxes you're looking to check, you know, like some of the historical numbers we're looking for. What are you looking for in running backs? You know, when you break down film, what are some things that we really want to make sure that our running backs, the boxes that they're checking before, you know, before our rookie drafts? Yeah, for me, I mean, one of the big things that I look at is burst because, again, the 40 isn't some tell-all, but at the same time, you know, I want my running backs to be able to get enough acceleration in that short area where they can reach that second level of open field, even if they're not breaking, you know, a 40, 50-yard touchdown. But I want those chunk plays because that's where a lot of that fantasy production comes from. And then also... For me, more and more in this day and age, how do they match up as receivers? You know, can they run routes to some extent? How are their hands and all that? For me, I'm more of a, an amateur film analyst, so I can't tell as well in terms of the footwork and the vision and that stuff. And that's where I rely on guys like Angelo. And that's why we're going to turn it right over to him. You know, what are some things that you're looking for? And last year's running back class was historical. Right. I mean, it was phenomenal. There's some guys in this class that stand out. But why don't you start out before we get into them? Talk a little bit about what you're trying to find on tape. I mean, it, as far as based off of your what your profession is and things like that, are you yeah. looking a little bit differently? Break it down a little bit for us. Yeah, no, it's definitely a little bit different, especially, you know, with, with my background as an athlete and, you know, and as a practitioner. So for me, a lot of it's about – how does the player move? Like, how do they move in space? How do they move in a short area? How do they move through contact? How do they do, you know, at the second level? 
how they do in different types of engagements. Like, is it a singular engagement? Is a, you know, a multifaceted engagement? So there's so many different types of things that I look for in the field of play. And um, you mentioned the word burst. So like when we're talking about like athletes in early acceleration and how they're performing, you know, we have to take into account these, you know, these are the thinking, feeling human beings that are, you know, trying to chase them. So it's not so much in a straight line, but how do they change direction? Like how quickly and efficiently do that? But I guess the biggest thing for me, especially at the running back position, is how well do they navigate and take contact? They're getting contact on nearly every play, whether they are as a receiver, um, whether they're in pass protection, or they're you know handing the ball like a normal handoff. So how do they navigate contact? Are they good through contact? Are they good at um, evading contact? And so it's either evade or engage, really. So running back on any given play is either evading contact or engaging in contact. So looking at that type of thing and looking at guys like, let's say, Travis Etienne, for example, who isn't great through contact, has a lot of trouble navigating contact, but he has extremely unique physical tools as an accelerator that in the right offense, he's going to absolutely explode. So um, it's really unique breaking that type of stuff down and like going frame by frame and seeing how these guys really move and how different they really are as athletes. But that, I think that's the biggest thing for me, especially at the running back position, is you know seeing you know how they take contact and what that looks like, you know, from athlete to athlete, from running back to running back. And John, we know draft capital means so much when it comes to these running backs. But why don't you talk, take me through your process of of you know really trying to figure out when we get to that rookie draft because you are rookie fever, John. Maybe Bobby O'Shea tonight. What are you looking for in your running backs? Yeah, I mean, I'd start by saying that first of all. For me, talent is always the most important thing. Talent over landing spot, like 10 times out of 10. And we had some some tough lessons about this last year. In fact, we talked about a couple of them on the pod. Uh, but look, draft capital is meaningful. If you get selected in the first round, especially these days, that that's a, that's a pretty big deal. And it means that the team's investing more in that particular player and they're likely to stick with them longer. And it does validate how the NFL and certainly that specific team feels about them. So it is worth a lot. And for me, the running backs that I'm especially paying close attention to on draft capital are rounds one through three. After that, um, what we've seen kind of historically is there's there's a pretty sharp drop off. Um, but you know, you're you're looking at day one, day two, especially on draft capital. And I, I'm I'm really curious for this particular draft class because um, we're all talking about the the big three. And then after that, are we going to see anyone else sneak in there? Let's say in those first three rounds. And so that's something that I'm keeping a lot, a, a close eye on. And, you know, you, you do kind of maybe move the rankings around a little bit, especially tiebreakers on draft capital. For me, when you, you're not quite sure on the film or you have a limited set of film or whatever it may be. So that's kind of how I approach it. So speaking of the big three, I mean, Angela, there's one of them that, that jumps out, you know, and I know he's a guy that looking at your website is someone that, flashes i mean and we had matthew hicks on and he had him as you know this year's clear rb1 but he said he you know has him in the top three if you compare the two classes this year and last year had him right up there with jonathan taylor i mean how good is Najee harris and what have you seen i mean man he's a bull and ballerina slippers man he's a remarkable athlete with the things he can do movement wise at 230 plus pounds i mean he's a top shelf receiver in this class and throughout most classes in my opinion uh, extremely natural hands has the capability to line up anywhere on the field. 
Um, you know, if you want to see, you know, kind of a snippet of his receiving capabilities, toss on the SEC title game against Florida. Um, he's an absolutely phenomenal athlete in space too, because he can do so much. You know, he's a 230 pounder who doesn't play like a 230 pounder, if that makes sense. Um, as a Chicago Bears fan, he moves a little bit like Matt Forte. Um, and Matt Forte is probably one of the most underrated running backs this past decade, in my opinion. Yeah, he's um, got but, that throwback a little bit. Like I saw a mm-hmm. little bit of Steven Jackson in his game. Yeah, no, for sure. And and that's exciting. When you start throwing away all names like that, I mean, some of our younger listeners are like, well, let's be honest, we don't have younger listeners because we're a bunch of dads. But, you know, they're like, Matt Forte, you know, they, they only think right. about the later part of the years. But, I mean, there was yeah. an eight-year stretch where that guy was. No, he was a tank, man. He's awesome. But I'm going to, sorry, I didn't mean to like, no, 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 no. We're going on it. Keep going, man. No, for sure. I I just think, you know, I mean, a a guy like Harris, like those guys don't come around very often with the skill set as a mover and as a receiver at 230 plus pounds. So, like, for me, I think it's, you know, it's Najee Harris and the rest of the class. I think we have a group of running backs this year. I think it's three and then the rest, really. Um, But there's a lot of intriguing guys. But for me, a guy like Harris with his skill set, just the overarching nature of it. Um, he's clear cut for me, number one, but I, I think he's probably going to see, he might see the highest draft capital too. I mean, that's what I think. I think he goes 18 to Miami. I think that's kind of where I'm pegged right now. Um, but I just, I just love his game. And, and as you can see on the site, I mean, some of the things that he can do, um, you know, the type of control he can have and the dexterity at that size, is just, it's just special from a locomotive standpoint. Yeah. I feel like, I mean, in, in a one quarterback league, Obviously, Najee oh, Harris yeah. is the 101. Um, I'm seeing a lot of, like, the last CBS mock I saw had Travis Etienne going to the Bucks at 32. Mm-hmm. Now, I mean, I have Etienne as my two. Some people have Javante Williams. Um, but talk to me a little bit about – you talked a little bit about Etienne. Yeah. I mean, his draft capital, if he came out last year, was was much higher than where it is now. You know, yeah. and he didn't do a lot to really detract that. But it's just a matter of like he's fallen where I'm seeing him in super flex leagues going like 108, 109, and really just falling down based off of not a super flashy season. Sure. Yeah. I think uh, for me, the his shining quality is, you know, his impact and early acceleration, right? I mean, I, I think he's the best accelerator at the position since Chris Johnson, for being honest. I think he's, that is a very, very, you know, that's a high mark for him. You know, that's his shining quality. And everything else really depends on that. And that's the thing with him. He doesn't offer much in creating plays before the line of scrimmage or creating space. He struggles to orient and navigate contact types, which if you watch him play, he turns through contact, right? It's kind of always like a pirouette almost uh, when he gets hit. Uh, and if he doesn't spin through those engagements, you know, it leaves him open to, to some pretty big shots, you know, and some punishment. Um, it's also just not as efficient as, you know, using his, you know, using his accelerator capabilities as, as power in a sense. Um, but I, I liked his improvement as a receiver. I think that's the biggest thing that I saw, um, I guess from 2019 to 2020 was how much he improved in that facet. I think he's still about league average in terms of the capabilities he displays there. He's not Najee Harris or Kenneth Gainwell in terms of where he can position the align, but he's, he's good enough to make an impact in the screen game or, or be a va- you know, viable check down option. Um, I have him um ags the ascension grading system that's on angelo analysis that i created this year uh he's the second ranked running back um film wise i think he came out fifth so fourth or fifth um so ags is comprised of film and analytics so it's 70 percent film 30 percent analytics so his film score was pretty 
pretty mediocre. He actually scored right around where Miles Sanders scored, which is interesting because those two, to me, are very similar style players. Um, but his analytics was fantastic. Um, and while you can probably attest to this too, like he's analytically has the best profile in the whole class. And that's, that's fact. Like he absolutely does. Um, but for me, there's a lot of things that have to go right with ETN in order for him to be, you know, the high end fancy producer that many think he will. Uh, he needs a wide zone scheme, man. He needs San Francisco or he needs the New York jets. He needs an, an offensive mind. that's going to be patient with him and, and be able to kind of ride the waves that he he'll probably provide as provide as a player. But um, all in all, man, he's super high ceiling prospect, but the floors, I think a little lower than some admit. Yeah. And I think landing spot, like you said, is going to be huge. I mean, there, he, the way he bursts through a hole and flies, mm-hmm. I mean, you're right. That acceleration. I think we talked about the, him last year when you were on the, on my other podcast, we, we talked yeah, about man. that. He's got that home run speed. Once he hits through there, um, there's starting to be a little bit more of a blending of, you know, a couple months back, it was Harris and ETN. Now it feels like Harris has separated him completely. And Javante Williams is clumming close to ETN, especially on Twitter. Mung and I was going to call you Bobby O'Shea. John, talk to me about those two guys a little bit and where you have them in your ranking. Yeah, I was actually one of my questions for Angela was going to be style wise, Etienne and Williams are very different, right? Because Williams kind of, instead of, as you, to use the word you said, pirouetting through contact, he just, bam, he goes right through the tackler. And I mean, again, you know, in terms of that approach, I I think that that opens himself up to injury potentially. Um, But at the same time, I feel like he's built more thicker. I don't know if that even makes sense. And this is purely from just kind of watching him play, not even weight wise. So, I mean, what are your thoughts on that? Do you have a preference on that style? And I know you said, you know, the Jets would be a great fit with Matt LaFleur for Etienne. Where do you think would be great for Javante Williams? Oh, man, that's a great question, brother. I mean, I think for me, uh, the Falcons of Arthur Smith is is kind of my number one spot for him. Um, it's interesting because, uh, like, besides Harris, uh, all these guys are pretty lame about the pendant in terms of schematically how they kind of fit, especially right now in the NFL. I mean, they're going to grow into being a more like, more diverse players. But um, a guy like Harris can fit in all 32 teams, and he he's going to be fine, right? He, he, he can run zone. He can run gap. He can run power. Like, he can run a ton of different – of variations and, and schematically be a pretty solid fit. Um, but a guy like Williams, and you talked about stylistically, like how he's so much different polar opposite to a guy like ETN. Does that open up for more punishment? It depends, man. I mean, the running back, you're looking for his contract. That's it, right? Anything after that's just gravy. I mean, I think a guy like Williams, he's going to get beat up when it comes like, you know, over time, but he brings it, man, he brings it like, like my man Williams, Javante Williams brings it. He's a really raw young prospect. He has a really high ceiling because of his ability to to be, you know, dominant and identity shifting in terms of his style of play. And he's going to develop an offensive identity for his organization. And that's really big. Being a Chicago Bears fan, I'm sure you can attest this man. It's, it's like Devont, like David Montgomery did that this season with the Chicago Bears. He gave the Chicago Bears an identity because of his style of play. And everything fell off Montgomery on that on that playoff round, which didn't go very far. But but um, 
But man, I think, you know, Williams in a sense, he, he's a better all around back than give him credit for uh, good pass catcher, uh, very willing in pass protection was a lead blocker for Michael Carter at some, at some points in his career. And it was, it was pretty fun to watch, uh, but just needs to grow the position. I mean, there's a guy who's probably the most raw out of a lot of these prospects we're going to talk about um, that just needs time to grow and an offensive queries and be patient with him as well. Do you think uh, Seattle would be good for Williams? Because that's I feel like that would be great. Just I, let him pound it like 15, 20 times. I don't think Russ would be very happy, but yeah, I think I think it would be. Uh, I don't know if they'll have the capital to be able to chase him. Um, I think that he goes in the first. I think we see two backs in the first round. I, I think Harrison Williams both go in the first. I think ETN is more of a luxury, quote unquote, um, and he goes more in the second. I think you can really form your offensive identity around Williams or Harris. Uh, Harris, more of that, you know, um, overarching skill set. It's going to be, you know, really diverse player. Can use them in a variety of different ways. Um, line them up everywhere. Um, but Williams is going to be, you know, we want to run the football. And Atlanta is my best fit for him. I could also see the Bucks being a phenomenal fit for Williams at the end of the first round, um, just because he provides something that. Um, you know, Fournette doesn't provide and Ronald Jones doesn't provide. And I think Tom Brady needs that type of player, especially around the goal line. And that's going to be a big thing in fantasy football is Williams going to have a 10 touchdown floor almost. Like that's going to be the floor of yes. Williams is because he is going to be a team's primary goal linebacker because of how good he is in short yard situations. So that's going to be a big boon to his stock is, he is a phenomenal, phenomenal player on the goal line in short yardage. So uh, I want to I want to see him get on a team that can actually score. So um, Atlanta would be good, but I think you know the Bucks is kind of the dream landing spot for Williams at the end of the first round. Yeah, I like, I like that. that. I mean, we yeah. saw the Chiefs after their Super Bowl run. That dream landing spot we went to Clyde Edwards-Helaire. Oh. That same with the Bucks. Yeah. You know, I was hoping it was DeAndre Swift going to the Chiefs. This is a different kind of scenario, but for sure, John, you've you've kind of really turned me on to Javante Williams, and you've been talking about him for months mm-hmm. here. Um, are there any other? You know, they they I think they hit that the nail on the head with him. I mean, he's going to be a fantastic yeah. player. Are there any other running backs that you got your eye on that were really interested in on draft capital and and want to check with an Angelo on any kind of? Other yeah, de- there definitely are um, a few, and I'd I'd love to get Angelo's. Sure take on some of these you know what i like about javante williams is he just looks like that that guy that can really carry the the load and the short yardage and for potentially even three down back he looks like he can pass block Um, but i'm i'm struggling to find other running backs that really look like that three down back in the nfl um so there's some guys that i've been studying chuba hubbard michael carter kenneth gainwell they all have different dynamics, but um, they look more like maybe you're going to be a pass catching type back right. or a third down back. Um, I've, I kind of like Trey Sermon, but I'm not 100 percent convinced on him yet either. What do you take on some of those guys? Is there is there someone that's kind of starting to creep up into that four spot for you? Yeah, I mean, you hit, you said Sermon. That's it. I think Sermon's the one I think for me mm-hmm. that has that three down upside. Yeah. And the only thing that's, um, I guess, um, a red mark on his profile is durability. So, mm-hmm. right. and, you know, running back's not, like I said, man, it's a first contract position. So you, I mean, you're fighting for that second contract. Like guys like Chris Carson are fighting for jobs right now, right? They're, they're trying to right find Yeah. So I think Trey Sermon's in that, in that same way. I think he's mm-hmm. the most well put together back in this class in terms of um, the intuitive sense of understanding the position and playing the position well in terms of skill. 
him and Michael Carter are very skilled football players. And I think they'll both find homes. Trey Sermon profiles me as that three down back. Um, and I think he's somebody who can get pretty late in rookie drafts. I mean, where I'm at right now, right. mid second, late, mid to late second, oh, right? Yeah. I mean, I've, that, I've, been, I've been pulling the trigger a little bit in the late second with Trey Sermon, even one in the early third. And if yeah. he some, somehow does get some draft capital or land somewhere like Pittsburgh, maybe it's like, mm-hmm. okay, now we might have something here. Yeah, no, I, I completely agree. I like Gainwell too, not in that three down vein, but Gainwell's mm-hmm. uh, running backs are turning into more Austin Eckler than Derrick Henry, if that makes sense. Yeah, for so sure. that's what we're going to see more. And Gainwell's, him and Harris are the best receivers in this class, the position. So no doubt. I think for me, he's going to go to an offense that wants to utilize the running back um, as, as a big extension of the, of the passing game. And that's going to be huge for his stock fantasy wise. I mean, he's going too low in draft right now. Like he's going in like mid early second round, mm-hmm. early second round. I'm seeing a lot of, I would mm-hmm. take him in late first. I would, I would go as far to say if, if you want a more, I guess a safer floor in fancy, he's probably a little bit safer than ETN is. Um, Cause ETN is going to need a specific landing spot, especially if you're drafting before the NFL draft uh, game was a little bit safer. Mm, nice. um, but I think that's going to be interesting. I like Michael Carter a lot. Like I said, very skilled player. Um, you can tell he's going to play a position at a high level in terms of skill. Um, I don't know where he's probably going to be a secondary back in a committee, um, but more like a one, a one, one B type deal with him. Mm-hmm. I, I like see him in Philadelphia. Honestly. Um, I think, you know, Miles Sanders needs someone to balance out his own skill set. Uh, I think we've kind of found out that Miles Sanders isn't a three down back, right? He is not a, 18 touch per game guy, um, their ability issues and obviously issues with, um, you know, like ball security, you know, drops and fumbles have been huge with Sanders over, especially this past year. I'm um, going to come out of college as well. And then I guess the other guys we were mentioning Chuba Hubbard, uh, he's going a lot later than he probably should. Um, if we look at the shortcomings he had this past season, they are missing a lot of their offensive line. At one point, I think it was, they were down four. So it, that's not good. The high ankle sprain. And then um, the situation with, with Gundy, um, mm-hmm. that was bad. I mean, the fact that he played that season because of that, I mean, I would have been, you know, being a black dude in Chicago, man, I'd be out like no chance I'm playing. But the fact that he played for his team and, and had mm-hmm. that sense of pride to, to finish out his career was, you know, that's commendable. And like, that's, that's huge for him um, in terms of his stock. It got, it took a hit. Yeah, it because his yeah. stock took a it took a pretty big hit. I think he was going to be a second round pick last year, uh, coming off a two thousand yard season. Um, thankful that high ankle high ankle sprain wasn't as bad as you know, let's say a Bryce Love from a few years back, where Bryce Love was going to have second round draft capital, but then the torn ACL took him completely out of contention. Um, but Shuba Hubbard's like I said, man, he's a guy you can get later than you probably should. Two thousand yard back, I think he needs a specific scheme to succeed. Um, wide zone would like to see him in San Fran if they can get him in the third round or so, it'd be great. Um, but there's a, there's a, quite a few backs that are really interesting in this class. But the only ones that really profile as three down guys, in my opinion, uh, Harris Williams, um, and then Trey Sermon. Yeah, thanks for that. that. No problem. Very helpful. Love that. Let's transition over to the wide receiver position. I mean, we've had, you know, Katie Flowers came on, Chad Parson, Matt Hicks. They all kind of like yeah. debated a little bit between, you know, Jamar Chase and, and Devontae Smith. I mean, they do things totally different. I mean, Jamar Chase, a lot more physical, you know, Devontae Smith, a lot more, you know, shifty at the line. Out of these two guys, 
you have a favorite and break down their tape a little bit here and try sure. to tell us some things you see. Absolutely. I think for me, um, favorite in terms of watching play, I like to watch Smith play because he's a craftsman. You know, it's 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 when you like he's someone he's an NFL cornerbacks, a, a, a former pro's favorite player. That's who Devonta Smith is because you have an appreciation for how he plays the game and the nuance and the craftsman-like approach he takes. Uh, I think Chase is a better prospect, but I think Smith's a better player. Uh, to me, Smith is the more polished, like I said, craftsman-like uh, athlete. Chase is, you know, you can see the potential, man. He physically dominates the game at times. Um, and the one thing that's interesting to note is, like, look at how they handled press. I think we, we think of press as being a big strength thing. Chase struggled more against press than Smith did. And there's a big reason for that. Why it's Smith was a more proficient downfield threat because of his athletic capabilities, because of his speed. I mean, he's a 10, six, 700 meter guy. So he's not slow. Um, Chase doesn't win like that. Chase is going to be, you know, a, a contested catch monster. He profiles more of that quote unquote alpha um, at, at X receiver um, winning back shoulders, you know, winning down the field with his strength and physicality and size, similar to how Des Bryant won at Oklahoma State and, and when he was a cowboy um, in Dallas. Um, but for me, I, I like both these guys, but I, I have a soft spot in my heart for Devonta Smith because, man, we are in 2021 and a guy who is about 170 pounds soaking wet dominated defensive backs week in and week out. That's that's special, man. I mean, that doesn't happen. We're not in the 1960s. This is <laughs> yeah. this is 2021, man. You have guys like DK Metcalf. You know, you have guys like AJ Brown out there, Lavisca Chanel Jr. Who are, you know, these are big human beings, man. Like th these are these are some dudes. So to see a guy like that dominate on that level is special to watch, and it's it's just fun to see him grow into a player that you know defensive backs are scared of that dude. Like if you ask like former defensive backs, like former NFL defensive backs, who would be your toughest assignment in this class? And they wouldn't bat an eye. And I've asked and they Devon Smith, no questions. Why? He's impossible to cover. One-on-one, -on -one, can't cover. I'm like, why? Why can't you cover a guy? He's 170 pounds. Then why can't you cover him? Because he's the best mover at the position. He has right. so much in his toolbox. He has so yeah. much he can throw at you. There's a reason why, you know, we're talking like Derek Stingley Jr. wouldn't press him, like refuse to press him because you're going to get, you're going to look up on the on six points on the board. And that, that's how it works with a guy like Smith. Chase, different story. He's going to bring it for four quarters. He's going to get in your face. He loves to use his hands. Um, he's a very raw receiver. I mean, he has that alpha skill set of being a true NFL wide receiver one in an offense, and I think he will be. But with time, I think we need to let Jamar Chase develop a little more. Um, but I think Devonta Smith will have a little, little bit more of an impact early on there in his career. Love that. You guys know how big I am on Jamar Chase, but I mean, for you two guys, we'll start with you, Mung. I mean, what do you see between the two, and and what, which direction are you heading? Yeah, and, and I'm a little biased, to be honest, uh, because traditionally I do prefer, you know, like those more alpha wide receivers, right? And that's Jamar Chase to me. And, you know, at times he almost kind of reminds me of a running back, the way he gets like yards after the catch. He kind of goes through people a little bit too. Um, and for me, that's what I love to watch. And he goes up and gets those contested catches. Uh, not to get too sidetracked, but I think another guy who kind of reminds me of that late is uh, Tylen Wallace. Uh, to me, he oh, also yes. 
Tylen. And I just love, you know, kind of seeing him become a running back after the catch, basically. And, you know, my only concern, and maybe uh, I'm wrong, and maybe I'll be proven wrong, and hopefully I am, because I wish Devonta Smith a ton of success. He's a special guy. He is, you know, if I had to put money down, that outlier. But like you said, 170 pounds soaking wet, that does give me a little bit of pause. And I'm just a more slightly risk-adverse dynasty GM. So for that reason, Chase is my wide receiver one over Smith. I I like that a lot. I think the one thing, so for me being like in the sport performance world, like I try to look at it from that perspective and try to get the perspective of, of who these guys were attached to at the collegiate level. So Devon Smith was attached to a guy named Dr. Matthew Rhea. Okay. One of the smartest minds in sports performance. Um, He's a guy that's world renowned, uh, did a lot of work with the Indiana's football team, but came to Alabama, I think in Alabama in March of 2020. So he got a chance to work with Devonta Smith. Jalen Waddle, Najee Harris, Mac Jones and company. And the one thing I'll always look at is how they try to transform these guys. These guys are sports scientists, man. These guys are the smartest guys in the world in terms of sport and human performance and getting the most out of these athletes, especially Dr. Rhea. Devonta Smith didn't gain a pound. Why? Like, why didn't Devonta Smith gain weight? Because Dr. Matthew Rhea is telling us that he doesn't need to gain weight. Right, He doesn't need to be 185 pounds to be at peak performance. And I think that's the one thing that's the toughest to realize too sometimes is everybody in terms of being an athlete has a different, you know, peak performance weight and size. And, you know, we can say BMI and frame, but Dr. Matthew Rhea is kind of telling the world that if Devonta Smith doesn't weigh 192 pounds at his pro day, he probably doesn't need to weigh 192 pounds to play professional football at a high level um, because we're seeing more guys like that in the NFL, like Stephon Diggs. Um, Chad Johnson was kind of the most recent one. Chad played at 170 pounds. Like Chad Chad wasn't a big dude. He, he Even on the I Am Athlete content, uh, podcast, he was saying, I played like around, right around 170. Um, Antonio Brown, you know, like, like I said, Diggs, and there's a lot of these guys who, who play at a slider weights, but those guys are also more difficult to cover because of it. You know, these guys are extremely quick, um, and they understand the game of football. That's the one thing that you can kind of look at. The, the smaller guys have to have an advantage somewhere that's not physical. And it's the ability to, you know, to understand the game and, you know, to have that high level of intellect. Like Antonio Brown, there's no way a dude who's 5'10", 175 pounds, should be dominating the game like he did when he was at his peak. When you have guys running around like looking like Calvin Johnson and we're seeing, you know, guys like Antonio Brown, you know, having a very similar level of dominance. And it's because of the high level of intellect they display in the field of play, um, their intuitive nature and that type of thing. So for me, like I'm not like I'm a risk averse dynasty player too but like i'm not i'm not worried at all about you know the bmi concerns and the size and frame because the smartest guys in the world are telling us it's not a problem and so for me i'm like oh well it's cool with me i mean like and he plays well at that weight so why why would you change that because his decelerative qualities are probably his best quality especially if you watch him on comeback routes and you you watch him come back to the football and he's creating five yards of separation on a comeback. 
And it's it's just ridiculous to watch. But man, I mean, I'm excited to watch him, but I understand why people were pausing. Like I'm not like up in arms about it, but I think uh, providing like context as to like what we should actually look for in players gaining and losing weight and what that does, their moving qualities. Like ETN showed up at 215 in his pro day. He's not playing at 215. He ain't gonna be at 215. He he's gonna play. He he played his best ball around 199 to 203. So he'll probably play around that. But you know, some NFL GMs are a little bit more in the Stone Age in terms of you know that type of thing. They like to see that. They like it simple. 215 means more durable. 203 means less durable. But in reality, does it really mean more or less durable? No. So sticking at Alabama, I mean, you know, the one thing I'm I'm a little less risk averse as well. You know, breakout age is a big thing to me. And we know sure. Devontae Smith's breakout age was a little bit later. And I think some of that had to do with how fantastic Jalen Waddle was, you know, and now he got that opportunity to be that guy. So talk to me, you know, a little bit about what you saw from Jalen Waddle. And I feel like he's going a little bit too late in drafts because this is right. another phenomenal talent. No, he is, man. He's he's fun to watch. And um and man, you can probably attest to this, man. It's he's the best returner we've seen since Devin Hester being, you know, a Chicago guy. He is a top shelf mover um in terms of his combination of quickness and efficiency. I mean he He's an absolute stud with the ball in his hands. But the question that like for, for me being like the risk of first dynasty, like a dynasty manager, like will he see a significant target share? You know, he had one career game over six receptions in college. You know, like I think he's had only he's had he hasn't had a game in college over 150 yards. You know, for reference, Devonta Smith had seven games of 150 or more yards in one year in 2020. So are we getting a guy who's going to get the volume to be consistently productive? For me, if we're talking about, well, who is he compared to in terms of potential skill set and also what might his statistical output look like? Deshaun Jackson. That's kind of what that's kind of where I got Jalen Waddle right now is Deshaun Jackson. The booms are going to be huge. I mean, we're talking six for 215 and three tutties, boom. But he might drop a one catch on three targets for 22 yards. So that's kind of the, where I'm at. I think when you watch Jalen Waddle play, he just pops, right? I mean, you know, his accelerative qualities, his top end speed, the way he moves in the field, he has just this aura about him. Um, but is he going to be the alpha of an offense? If you watch Alabama play, you can clearly see that Devonta Smith was the focal point. Um, if you watch how they won and, you know, Devon Smith's winning against the best corner and he's in man coverage. Um, Jalen Waddle's playing a lot of his reps in the slot, which is great for him. He should uh, running a lot of crossers, digs, um, a lot of stuff down the field in the third level. And that's where he's going to win in the NFL is he's going to be a, a threat in the third level of the field. Truly, like, like people say, take the top off the of defense, be that threat and provide that. So I think for me, he's going to be a really, really high level NFL player, but we might be a little disappointed at times in terms of fancy output. I got you. I, I saw your eyes light up when Mung mentioned Tylen Wallace and I know oh, Tylen. You, you got it. You got excited. You know, we all, have that, we all have that guy most of the time on the yeah. podcast. If they start talking about AJ Brown, I light up, you know what I mean? Yeah. But you had that going with Tylen Wallace. So talk sure. to me why. Yeah, it's just like you watch the dude play. I mean, it's just the inner athleticism, man, the ability to contort and come down with these balls that he should not come down with at his size. Um, he's really good after the catch. He's just a, I mean, he needs to clean up his stuff for online and scrimmage, but 
I mean, if he stays healthy, I think I have him in that same tier with the, with Waddle, with Waddle, with Marshall, um, with nice. Moore, with Bateman. Like mm-hmm. that's kind of the group I have him in. Um on AGS. And I think it's valid. I, I think he's a, he could be a pro bowl caliber NFL player that you can get in the third round of your rookie drafts. And for me, I'm just extremely excited to see where he can go, where he can grow. Um, but the thing that I think is going to be tough is the durability. Um, I think his brother actually had like two or three ACL injuries himself. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, thinking from like a hereditary nature, that's not a great sign when you've had one yourself, right? And his he had one you know, in 2019. Uh, bounced back from it. Ran well at his pro day. Um, for you know, we take it out of a grain of salt, but I mean, four three nine hand timed. You can add whatever you want to it. Four three nine is not slow. It could be four five, still fast. I'm I, that. You know what I mean? Like that tells me I'm not looking at it from a fast slow standpoint. I'm looking at it from are you you know well enough you know along and far enough along in your training to do that after the ACL injury. And he, he showed that he, he is, and he, he played well, you know, this past year. So uh, I just like him, man. He's a fun player to watch. I, I just, he, you, you kind of get that sense with some players like that. Like, I don't, I don't know what it is, but like some pops in your head and like, man, this guy can ball. Right. Like, and that's kind of what I have with him. Um, but I think he's gonna be a pretty damn good pro. So I'm excited. I'm excited to watch him and, and see him grow. John, I yeah. saw that you, you kind of lit up there a little bit. There's a couple oh, yeah, guys in that range. Well, it's really good to get some reassurance from our man Angelo here. Because I actually put a thread out there um, on Twitter recently and was talking about Tylen Wallace is just not getting enough love right oh. now. He's really slipping. And I, I can't really figure it out. I think it really is. It's got to be the injury history. And right. it's just the recency bias out of sight, out of mind. I got to watch a lot of his games. I've watched a lot of Big 12. And uh, I mean, re- you remember the hype that was coming after this guy not that long ago after his sophomore year it was like 1500 yards award finalist. And he was every, everybody was talking about him. And so, look, I get it. But I mean, this guy, he's like, what is he? he's like six foot 195. And I believe he ran like a four, four, five at Oklahoma State. He's explosive on film, vertical threat, good hands, attacks the ball. Uh, but he's one of those contested catch guys, too. I, I've seen him do it. And so um, for me, he, he should be a little bit higher on a lot of these rankings yeah, that are out there right now, but I'm, I'm cool with getting them late second, early yeah, third. Yeah, man. I've seen every him fall, time. Yeah, I've seen him fall to three Oh four, you know, it's, Come on. Yeah. It, it's, it's tough. And last year for me, it was like LaVisca Chanel jr. Man, you saw, I mean, if you, if you watch Colorado and watch him play, man, the Visca's a dog. Like, Oh yeah. Like there, there's something different about that cat. So um, when you watch that, like you can't get that out of your head. And so mm-hmm. the question is, like, am I going to, you know, take the, you know, at that cost? Is, is it worth it? And it absolutely is. You know, Chenault now is arguably a top 24 dynasty wide receiver. So, um, so. if he stays healthy, he's going to be an absolute monster. But same thing with Tylen. If mm-hmm. he stays healthy, he gets with a good offense, with a good ecosystem and organization, man, he's going to he's gonna thrive. And I'm excited to see it. Yeah, Mike, I mean, here's my thing. Rookie drafts. You're in the late second. You're in the third round. What are you looking for? Looking for Taking those up. upside, high ceiling uh, players. Day. Tyler exactly. Walsh. All day. Exactly. That's not the time you're trying to find role players. That's where you're trying to take that upside. That's a where home you win run. your rookie drafts. You take that all the time. Two guys that are home runs that a lot of uh, Twitter's kind of polarizing here a little bit. Talk a little bit about Rondale Moore and Rashad Bateman. You know, those will be the last two guys for we sure. talk about. 
And, and then I w- hopefully we have enough time to do a quick, like, one round, since we haven't right. talked quarterbacks, a one-quarterback league mock real quick. That sounds good, man. Um, Rondell Moore gets tricky because of role. Like, what is he – where is he going to play? What is his going to – what's going to be his primary responsibility? Uh, but he's a fantastic player to watch, right? I mean, where is he going to line up? Like, is an offense going to use him creatively? Um, but he's an extension of the run game. I mean, if you watch him play, man, I mean, it, his A dot wasn't very high, but he's going to be a, a yards after catch threat. And kind of going back to the Visca Chanel, he's maybe Chanel in terms of in terms of role, how he plays, how he attacks the game. Um, but that's kind of how I, I I like him a lot. But it's it's going to be, you know, is he going to be stuck with a offensive coordinator who's not going to utilize his skill set? And he's going to be kind of in that Golden Tate-ish role um, that we saw at, at Golden Tate's height of his career when he was pretty productive. Um, and that's going to be kind of where he sits. Like, I don't, He's not a true three-level threat. He's not going to dominate the third level of the defense or the second level. He's going to win around the line of scrimmage, but he's going to win and win consistently. And that's the big thing with him. He's going to you know, be a slot option primarily. He's going to you know, orbit motion, bubbles, jet motion. Um, that's going to be his thing and be a weapon for an offense. But the question really is, how productive is he going to be for fantasy? Like role-wise, I would love for him to be like in a Robert Woods type role where he's doing the jet motions, but he, he's also playing at all three levels of the field You know, as he gets more comfortable and grows into his NFL role. I would love that for him. Um, Rashad Bateman's an interesting one because everybody's really high on Bateman. I like Bateman a lot. But I think he is going to be a good NFL wide receiver. And that's okay. Not everybody's going to be, you know, like freaking AJ Brown. Like it's not going to work like that. But I think he's safe. I think he's the second safest receiver in terms of early career output. Uh, I think him and Devonta Smith are the two I think they're going to produce right away for an NFL offense, depending on where they land. Um, but Bateman's interesting because he he can he can win at all three levels, but I think he is best in the second level of a defense, right? Using his frame and using his ability to get you know to be very um, intuitive in a sense to come out of his breaks at the second level in terms of timing, um, using his frame to you know to eliminate contest um, on those contested catches is huge for me. So I like him a lot. I mean, he's just a guy that I don't think he has a massive ceiling, but he has a pretty safe floor. Um, he's actually one of the guys I would like the Bears to take at 20 if he's there. Uh, I, I wouldn't mind that at all. I think we need another outside threat. Um, Anthony Miller's, no, he's not He's not it anymore, right? He, he, he plays in the slot, and he's probably going to be traded. Um, I love Darnell Mooney, but would love to get Darnell Mooney in the slot. Would love that mismatch because of how 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 well he plays in space and and how well he you know how well he does down the field as well. So I mean for me, um, I like Bateman. I like I like a lot of these guys, man. There's not a lot of prospects in this year's class I just don't like, especially out of this crop of like six, seven, eight wide receivers. There's a lot of guys who are really good. I think Terrace Marshall is another one that uh, I think really highly of. I think he has a, he's oozing with upside, um, but there's a lot of dudes who who can who can play. Hey, uh, Ange, quick question for you. Um, I know it's hard to comp players one-to-one, but so I'm admittedly down on uh, Rondale Moore. Sure. I comped him to Tavon Austin a little bit, and then I comped Bateman a little bit in my notes to Adam Thielen. What are your thoughts on those? Interesting. Um, Rondale Moore to me, Tavon Austin was a little bit 
uh, quicker than Moore. Moore's quick, very quick, but Moore wins with his frame a bit too. He's strong. He's a strong player. He makes you feel his presence too. Uh, it's tough because like I don't do a ton of comps because like Austin was like criminally underutilized. Um, and if Austin would be in the NFL today, be different than when he was when he was in his prime and when he got drafted. Um, the NFL is more equipped to use a guy like more than now than they were when Austin got drafted. Um, to me, if I'm putting a comp, it's a, like I said, baby Chenault. I think that's kind of the big thing for me is I think he, yeah. he plays like LaVisca in terms of how physical he is. Um, but obviously it's in you know much smaller package than the 230 pound Chenault. Um, so I think that's a good comp. I mean, Austin's a, Austin was a dynamic player and the thing is they're going to play a similar role. But the difference is now the NFL is more equipped to deal with the role that Austin played back then. Um, and then you said Adam Thielen for Rashad Bateman. Man, I love Adam Thielen. Uh, to me, my Adam Thielen um, stylistic comparison last year was CeeDee Lamb. Uh, I think the vertical presence, um, the accelerative capabilities too. Thielen's a, Thielen's a fast dude too. People don't understand that, man. Thielen's a 4-4 dude. I mean, he's, he's not slow. Uh, I don't know if Bateman has like his accelerative qualities that Thielen has, but the way they can win in the air, uh, I can definitely see that being you know pretty viable. So I, I love listening to you talk about prospects and the different ways you do it. And I wish we could really like dive into it. You know, I wanted to keep everything to an hour for, sure, for your no, time sure. and everything like that. But what our listeners always want to hear at the end of the episodes is a mock draft. We all sure. love to do it, you know, and it, and it changes. You know, we started this in January with Matthew Hicks. And now all of a sudden, you know, we're, we're midway through March and we're starting to get towards the time where our dynasty owners, they want to start figuring out their own plans and start getting some ideas. So let's put together a little 12 person, you know, mock draft. We'll do one quarterback, you know, and nothing flashy. This is more like our vanilla one. Um, since I'm sitting in the host chair, I'll go first to make it easy. And then we'll go Angelo Mung and then John, and then we'll, we'll do it snake style. So we'll bring it back. Sound good. Sure. Yeah, man, so, that sounds good to me. I, I, I'm, I'm cheating a little bit, but Najee Harris is my 101. You know, I debated him and and one of the wide receivers here, but I feel like slam dunk prospect is going to go really high as far as the running back goes. So I have no problem taking Najee Harris at 101. Angelo, man, um, Kyle Pitts at at two. Uh, for me, anytime you can get a Hall of Fame caliber prospect, you take him. I mean, if you can. Uh, I would take Harris over Pitts um, because I think Harris is super safe and you might get five, six, seven, eight um, RB2 plus years out of Harris, which is huge. Um, obviously, tight end's not a need, but you know, if you're talking about, let's say, Travis Kelsey, like where would you take Travis Kelsey? Right? Uh, pretty high if you're talking about this class of players. So for me, I think he has that type of upside in terms of the impact he's going to have on the position. Uh, I think he's honestly the best receiver in this class. When you look at the overarching skill sets that he has in the, you know, combined um, with, you know, he's a good blocker, but you know, him versus chase versus Smith versus the rest of the class. It's like, like, man, guys who are six, six two forty five shouldn't move like that. Like he, he's a, he's a unicorn in that regard. And he's a, he's a special, special talent. I don't like saying that a lot, but I, I think he's a gold jacket hall of fame type dude. Yeah, and I, I believe in in your analysis on your website, you know, your your dominant, you have him projected 
as such, correct? Yeah, I do. And it's it's one of those that like when you when I grade it out as such on AGS with, with the you know compilation of film and data, not many of those happen. I think I had there was none in the 2019 class. There was one last year, and that was JT. Um, but this year at like running back and receiver, it's it's Kyle Pitts. I I, I love that. You know, and I'm I'm the kind of guy who like waits on my tight ends and tries to make yeah no same here yeah yeah struggle but that that's great no i know both these guys were talking about kyle pitts and we wanted to see where you had him because and we didn't bring him up so i'm so glad you took him there uh monk you're up yeah i mean it's easy call for me i'll take jamar chase here uh even if he needs a little bit a little bit of time to really develop you know i think he has the tools as is to already produce a little bit as a rookie and you know the sky's the limit for him all right, Bobby O'Shea. It seems like whenever we do these mocks, you end up being the snake guy. So you get you get to double double up tap here. it. Double tap. I did want to give some cred. Everyone, go check out the why Kyle Pitts thread that Angelo put out there. Um, and to my credit, Angelo, I took Kyle Pitts in our last mock. I got him love at one hundred and six. It was super flex, nice. but I okay. but I love him as well. And so it was nice to see him that high. Um, so all right, I'm gonna double tap here. I'm gonna go. Travis Etienne, and then I'm going to come back with Devonta Smith is my two. That's a, that's a nice little pick there. Mung? Yeah, I actually uh, I do have Javante Williams, I think, slightly over Etienne in my rankings, so I will take Williams here. Um, I do think that he can be more of a true three-down back uh, than Etienne maybe even. I like that. You are up, Angela. Man, um, I'm gonna go kind of for the for the home run a bit at the wider receiver position. I'm gonna take Terrace Marshall. Okay, nice. I I get a double tap here, and these are more kind of like guys that I'm just I'm I've been falling in love with, and they're more my style. But I'm actually gonna take Jalen Waddle, and both I'm gonna go back on this because of some of the way you said it usage. But I'm gonna take Jalen Waddle and, and Rondale Moore here. You love know, it. And I, I I know. I'm going to look into it a little bit further. You know, roll is going to be a big thing with them. Landing spot's going to be huge, but they definitely have that upside. Awesome, man. Um, then I'm back up, correct? You are up. Awesome. Uh, I'll take Kenneth Gainwell. Uh, I, I think with, with his pass catching upside and, and how he can be used in terms of versatility, um, that's going to be huge at the NFL level. So I'm hoping he gets with a creative offensive mind so he can, they can use him correctly. Got to get them gains. Mung, what's up, buddy? Yeah, even in one quarterback, I think we've gotten far enough where I'm taking Trevor Lawrence here. He's just such a safe floor prospect. We know he's going to get some rushing production in Urban Meyer's offense. And, you know, he's a phenomenal passer and basically in a a whole package. So give me Lawrence. All right. I, in this position, would be thrilled to get Rashad Bateman. Yeah, I was going to say. At this point in the draft. So I'm feeling good about that one, Mike. That sounds fantastic. Angela, I got to thank you so much. And it's been great diving into your mind. I mean, you think about things so much, you know, it's, it's top notch analysis and you think about it from a different, you know, vantage point. And I absolutely love that. Um, you appreciate the time coming on here. Why don't you tell everybody where they can find you, what you have working on and, you know, continue. If you guys haven't checked out his website, I mean, it is fantastic. It is in depth. It breaks it down completely shows you, you know, you, he has, gifs on there that just break down everything he has all the videos it's it's a fantastic product man i love it 
Thank you, man. I, I appreciate you guys having me on. Apologies again for being, being a little bit late and running behind, but uh, thank you guys again. I truly appreciate it. Uh, you guys can all find me on angelanalysis.com first and foremost. That's where a lot of my work is is being put nowadays. Uh, I can only do put so much on Twitter. Um, it's hard to see like with the characters and everything, man. Um, cause sometimes, you know, my wife can tell you I'll ramble about prospects so I can actually ramble on my website, which is nice. Oh, I um, love that. When you were on Twitter, your threads are straight fire, you know? And I'm like, okay, he's just going to have the same thread on the website. And I'm like, sure. no, man, so much more. <laughs> Thank like, you. It, it's so in depth. Oh man. I appreciate that, man. Uh, and I get, you can follow me on Twitter, man, at Angel underscore fantasy. Um, my DMS are always open. So if anyone wants to chop it up, ask questions about prospects, you know, I, I answer everything. So, um, but thank you guys again, man. I, I, had a, I had a ton of fun. Thanks. And Mung, what's, what's going on with you? Yeah. Well, like I said, I finally had time to start looking into this rookie class. So my uh, rankings are taking shape. Those will be out on fan tracks pretty soon. I really wish I had, you know, Angelo just as like Siri or Alexa. I could like <laughs> ask him about stuff all day. Dude, um, that's nice. <laughs> I mean, I would have loved to talk about like Diami Brown or Pat Fryermuth. Those two guys I love a lot. Um, but yeah, you can find me on Twitter at FFA underscore Mung. That's M-E-N-G. And we'll have to see if we can get that app in the works. You know what I mean? Ask Angelo. You know, oh, God. Hey, it's got a nice ring to it, though, it right? It does have right? a ring to it. I mean, you got to toss me that business plan, homie. I mean, because we got <laughs> to get that cracking. But I like Trademark it. that. I know, right? That's funny. And last but not least, my brother in green. St. Patty's Day, let's roll it out. Closing out, St. Patty's Strong here on the Smash Accept pod. Loved it. Angelo loved every minute of it. Really appreciate all that advice. I'm going to follow it closely. When when he puts the thread out, I'm like, all right, everything else is going to step to hold on for a second. I'm going to go through this. I know you put but, the kids uh, sometimes at like 630. I know about it. You know, like dinner's over and he, he puts yeah. a new thread out like kids going to sleep. Let's go. That's right. That's right. That's right. <laughs> No, but for me, you know, I'm going to stay really active. I'm, I'm here for the community. Want to help you guys out with your trades, with your rookie drafts, and and just mixing it up with you guys. So reach out anytime. I'm going to be putting more threads out, especially on the rookie class as well, like I have been, especially when I start seeing those values, um, like like we talked about tonight with Tylen Wallace, um, Trey Sermon, Pat Fryermuth, a couple of guys that I've, I've been looking at super values right now. So we'll see more of that. But anyway, um, thanks again, Mike. It's a and thanks again for tuning in. Like we, like I said, from January up until like this week, we've been hitting rookies hard and, and fantastic people like Angelo. Next week, we got Ryan McDowell. So we're going to hit a little bit more free agents and, and talk about, you know, dynasty startups because we're getting into that type of season. Godfather. Just, exactly. Exciting stuff is Magic Sip. So thanks again for tuning in and enjoy the process. Boom.